know who you are. Uh, yeah, pre-flight announcements. Let's see. Can I think of anything? Well, uh, the huge Ool, um Facebook and YouTube page are up and running. Um, so please at least do one or the other. Um, most important is to put a review on iTunes. It's actually pretty cool if you look on iTunes under religious uh, other, that category. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, I think fourth on there, which is just really amazing. I, I'm really happy that getting a lot of listeners and you guys are reviewing me and, and stuff, and that's awesome. And I really appreciate it. And please continue to do so. If you haven't, please uh, write a review. Really appreciate it. Really helps me out. I think in I tried to check on just religious podcasts, and then that's like all categories, obviously, not just other. And I think I'm like 180th or something. So let's give me to number one somehow. I'm sure we'd probably need like millions. There's probably some friggin' Christian, like you know, one of those mega church people that has a podcast, probably. That, but anyway, um, no, that's okay. But as high as we can get, I, I don't think I'm gonna get within the top hundred ever, but maybe that could be a good goal. Um, let's see. Do I have any other announcements? Oh, uh, if case you haven't listened yet, grab the, uh, latest, well, it's probably not latest by the time you're hearing this, but the cognitive dissonance episode I did on there was really fun. Great guys. Um, I'm really glad I did because it's, man, it's got me quite a few more listeners actually from doing their show. I'm really happy about that. I'm glad that if, if you're listening to me and you came from that show, thanks a lot for checking me out. And uh, I would I encourage my current listeners who haven't gone the other way to give it a try and, um, you know, uh, download, at least download the episode I'm on. Come on. You love me, obviously. Um, <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, let's, this is a weird reading, um, as if it's not always weird every time. Uh, it's a little odd, but let's, uh, let's get to it. And there was a man of Mount, we're on Judges 17, and there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to unto his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursedest and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the 1100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I re will restore it unto thee. Okay, so this is really weird. I don't, um, I had to sort of read notes to see what just happened. I don't know if you remember what happened last episode. It was Samson and Delilah. It was completely unrelated to this. Um, but apparently this all took place a while ago, like back uh, before Samson and Delilah, before some of the other things. Um, and But God, being the perfect, you know, being he is, decided to just splice this elsewhere and just completely confuse the living crap out of me. Um, with no introduction. Okay, so <laughs> with no introduction, some guy named Micah says to his mom, Hey, uh, you know the money that someone stole for you? I have it. And the mom's like, oh, well, that's amazing. Why do you have it? And he says, oh, well, because I stole it. But that's that's not the issue. The important thing is I have the money. And the mother says, ah, oh, blessed be thou of the Lord. <laughs> what in the world? This is the weirdest thing that I've ever seen. I don't know. I, I, I guess clearly we're not dealing with gullible people here in biblical times. Now, they're just as incredulous as could be. Um, I, I don't... <laughs> 
I don't even understand how you would think of introducing something this way. It is mind-boggling. It, just out of nowhere, no introduction, some guy says, hey, I totally have that money that someone stole from you the other day. And the mom's like all happy and he's like, well, I stole it, but that's not the point. <laughs> I have like so weird. And then, then she gives it back to him to make, be, to make graven images. It's just so bizarre. Anyway, I don't even know what to make of it. Yet he restored the money unto his mother and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah, and the man Micah had, what? And the man Micah had an house of gods, and made an ephod, a teraphim, and a consecrated one of his sons. Oh, and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. So uh, pretty much, he's just uh, Micah's making a bunch of idols, a bunch of uh, Billy Idol statues to uh, to worship. Billy Idol worship. Who can blame him? In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right by his own eyes. Mm -hmm. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah. Oh, Bethlehem, Judah, I guess. Of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I might find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now I know that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Okay. Short little chapter there. Um, so pretty much this guy Micah is trying to sort of make his own church or something. Um, I don't know if it's an officially sanctioned one. You know, I don't know if he's technically a real prophet of God. <laughs> And that made me think, I love how we have the phrase like false, beware false prophets, you know, I, I just was thinking when I, when I thought of saying he's not a real prophet, I was like, what, beware false prophets as opposed to what, what prophet, I guess, can you have like a metaphorical kind of prophet if somebody, I, I don't know, like, is, it's funny that that's a, a saying like, oh, it's, you got to make sure you stick to real prophets who, who actually are can tell you the future or, or prophets of God or what? It's, I don't know. I've thought of that. It's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, I don't know if he's a false prophet or, <laughs> or an actual prophet. It's, it's unclear as of yet, but I think we'll see as the uh, book goes on, as it tends to do. Uh, so chapter 18. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in, for unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent to their family, of their family, five men from their coasts, men of valor from Zorah and from Eshtael, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go, search the land. So uh, who, when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. And when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned in thither and said to him, Who brought thee hither? And what makest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? 
And he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and had uh, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee, of God, that we may know whether our way which we shall go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, Go in peace. Before the Lord is your way, wherein you go. And I, I don't know if that was just his way of... <laughs> so, okay, so these guys... Stop. Okay, these guys who are sort of wandering around, I guess one of the tribes doesn't have a land yet, the Danites, I think it is. Um, they're wandering around and they come across this town where this guy that they just introduced, character that they just introduced, hired this priest. Uh, the Danites recognize the priest's voice somehow. I don't know if it's because they actually knew him or maybe his dialect or something somehow. So they go in and ask him. They're like, hey, talk to God and tell him what we should, you know, ask him what we should do. You know, if our if our path is correct, and he, he the priest comes out and just says like, ah, uh, yeah, God just uh, he's all for you, and just tells you to just keep going the way you're going, just you know, uh, go in go in peace, and you know, the Lord's right behind you. It's like I don't know if he actually <laughs> talked believed that to be a message from God, or was maybe he was just like, let's get these assholes out of here. I don't want to talk to him anymore. Yeah, God says. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing great. Just keep going forward. Don't tarry. You know, that's that's all he said, you know. So too bad. I guess we, you know, our time's cut short. Anyway, then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure. And there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man. Excuse me. And they came unto their brethren to Zorah and Eshtel, and their brethren said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And are ye still? Be not slothful to go, and to enter and to possess the land. When ye go, ye shall come unto a people secure, and to a large land, for God hath given it into your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. I love this. For God hath given it into your hands. Yeah, you can, you know how you can tell if God is giving you land? You can. It's very simple, very simple method. You just go and you look and uh, you can tell in this case because of all the people who already live there are not really set up to defend themselves well. So that's how you know that God is just giving you that land. Sort of like if you come across a person who's a lot weaker than you, you know, who has like five bucks, um, that's... God giving you five dollars. He's I don't know if you knew that, but that's that's essentially a gift of five dollars from God. Because I mean the guy is obviously asking for you to steal it because he's not he's you know, a, a wimp or whatever. Like he's 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 not capable of defending himself. So that's a gift gift of God. That's how that logic works. And there went from thence of the family of the Danites, out of Zorah and out of Eshtel. 600 men appointed with weapons of war. <laughs> Again, I love the idea of taking an army to go receive the gift that God has given you. <laughs> it's almost, guys, say with me on this. It's almost like God has nothing to do with it and they're sort of just taking the land for themselves. I, I know, it's crazy. It, just hear me out. Have an open mind. I, I know that, that obviously... The most likely conclusion is that God is giving them this land, like the God that exists, the all-powerful God is giving them this land. But I'm just saying, the fact that they're taking all these people with weapons of war and stuff, I, it's, that's more like um, they're just going to go steal it. 
You know? I mean, is that... Am I wrong? I don't know. That's just a thought I'm at. It could be crazy, but that's just a thought I've been having. And they went up and pitched in Kirjath Jerem in Judah. Wherefore, they called that place Mahanedah. Mahanedah. <laughs> Weird. Mahanedan. Mahanedan. I don't know. Under this day. Behold, it is behind Kirjath Jerem. I think they just named things this way to just mess with people. They really did. I don't think they actually wanted things to be named this way. They're just like, okay, this is going to really screw people up later. Let's call it like Mahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadahamadaham
And he said, Ye have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priest, and ye are gone away. And what have I more? And what is this that ye say unto me, what aileth thee? Um, and that's when the priest was like, Oh, Micah, thank God you've come to rescue me. Oh, man. There were just way too many of these guys, and they really just they just intimidated me into coming with them. And boy, am I glad to see you. So, uh, yeah, thanks for rescuing me i just oh one one guy just hit me really hard didn't leave a mark but he, he just yeah i mean I, I put up a fight but man they just they just, oh they overpowered me so i'm glad you're here to to rescue me from these people that i you know they just kidnapped me and the children of dan said unto him let not thy voice be heard among us lest angry fellows run upon thee and thou lose thy life with the lives of thy household and the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned back and went back into his house. Okay, so maybe that didn't happen. <laughs> so Micah backs down, and the priest is like, Oh, man, I'm so glad you told that Micah guy what was what. I was just trying to lull him. Remember earlier when I was saying I was glad he was coming to rescue me? I was just trying to distract him and, and uh, you know lull him into a false sense of security and by making him think I was on his side, but... You guys, you guys picked up on that. You knew right away that I was lying to him. Yeah, I mean, you you guys are good judges of character and stuff. So, so anyway, uh, yeah. So where are we headed? Can't wait. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> and they took the things which Micah had made and the priest uh, which he had, and came unto Laish unto a people that were quiet and secure, and they smote them with the edge of their sword and burnt the city with fire. And that's. Very, very, very nice of them there. And there was no deliverer because it was far from Zidon. Zidon, 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 I don't care. And they had no business with any man. And it was in the valley that lieth by Beth Rehob. And they built a city and dwelt therein. And they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan their father who was born unto Israel. Howbeit the name of the city was Laish at the first. Hmm. And the children of Dan set up a graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, uh, the son of Manasseh, and he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set up, set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So that's the end of that little chapter. This is a short episode, by the way. Um, the way the chapters worked out, it was kind of awkward. So this one's going to be a little short. Next one will probably be a little long hope you don't mind. Um, but, uh, you know, whatever. Let's just go into chapter 19, I guess. <clears throat> the final chapter of the, the day. And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. This is the third time that it's mentioned there's no king in Israel. I, I, we understand, right? Like, if I asked you guys a minute ago, hey, is there a king in Israel? You would have said, no, there's no. I've been told twice there's no king in Israel. Why? Why are you asking me that? It came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel, that there was a certain Levite sojourning on the side of Mount Ephraim, who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. And his concubine played the whore against him and went away from him other, uh, unto her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. <clears throat> that whore! So, just in case you didn't catch what happened, a guy takes a woman, just takes her, essentially. It didn't say, I mean, that's the language it used. Um, took her as a second or third or maybe fourth wife or whatever, you know, completely normal biblical behavior, a concubine. And she 
like the whore that she is, decides that she doesn't like that and runs away to her father's house. What a, you know, what a whore. I mean, that is so unreasonable. You know, it's perfectly reasonable that the Bible called this woman a whore. This is a great, great example of a little male chauvinism for you. A woman is called a whore in the Bible for not wanting to be a man's concubine and running away to her father. So that's that's how it was. That's what it was like back then. It's kind of sad, actually. Um, And her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having his servant with him and a couple of asses. And she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. Um, And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him, and he abode with him three days. So they did eat and drink and lodged there. Yeah, I I imagine the father was like, what the F, man? I don't want this whore in my house. So when the the husband slash owner, you know, came to claim her back, the, the father was probably like, oh, thank God you're here. I don't. I don't need. I thought I got rid of this whore. I love how the woman's will is never really mentioned. It's just kind of unimportant. It doesn't mention if she, how she felt about the husband, if she's being mistreated, or yeah, you know, it doesn't just doesn't mention any of that. It's not not really important. Of course not. She's property. Um, and it came to pass on the fourth day when they arose early in the morning that he rose up to depart, and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law. Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. And they sat down and did eat and drink both of them together. For the damsel's father had said unto the man, Be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night, and let thine heart be merry. And when the man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him. Therefore he lodged there again. And he rose early in the morning on the fifth day to to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did both eat of them. When the man rose up uh, to depart again for like the eighth time, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law and the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here that thine heart may be merry, and tomorrow get you early on your way that thou mayest go home. Okay, so essentially what keeps happening here, I don't know really why, but... The father of the concubine keeps keeping the the son-in-law there. Um, the Bible says that I guess he's trying to show hospitality to ensure kind treatment of the daughter. I, I mean, I guess we can just go with that assumption. I think that's kind of a rosy assumption. Who knows what the actual motive is, but we'll give this guy the benefit of the doubt and say that uh, that's what he's doing. So he's just so you know what's going on. The father try, tries to keep them there a million days in a row for some reason but but this time but the man would not tarry that night but he rose up and departed and came over against jebus <laughs> which i i, <laughs> I didn't know it was an actual thing i know that homer simpson thinks jesus is called jebus and <laughs> but it's really funny re- reading the word jebus because it's so like i don't know because it sounds like jesus it's funny give me a break guys Jebus, which is Jerusalem. I'll just call it Jerusalem then. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. And when they were by Jebus, the guy said, Jebus, holy Jebus, we're by Jebus. The day was far spent, and the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn uh, turn in into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. 
And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And he said unto his servant, Come, and let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. And they turned aside thither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat him down in a street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. Okay. So they leave um, and... He, cause like he turns down the father-in-law one more, you know, to stay one more night. He's like, nah, I gotta get the hell out of here. I'm really sick of, uh, being around you. And, uh, then he goes to this town that he thinks, well, they pass one town. He's like, nah, I'm not going there. That's not Israelites or something. And then he goes to Gibeah, which supposedly is a friendly town. And then, uh, there's no one there to take him in. So they just like sit in the street and gonna stay the night in the street. And behold, there, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither goest thou? And whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem Judah toward the side of Mount Ephraim. From thence am I. And I went to Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me, and for thy handmaid, and for the young man which is with thy servant, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. So he brought them into his house, and gave provender unto unto the asses, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. So some guy is taking them in very kindly. Um, so that's actually all that entire reading was, was the guy taking him in. Now, as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, Belial, something, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him. And what the F, this is exactly the same thing that happened with the Sodomites and Lot. If you remember, you know, Lot had the angels as guests in his house and the Sodomites came around like, Hey, we want to, you know, we want to have sex with those angels. And Lot is like, Oh no, you can just take my daughters, but don't, don't take these guys. I really don't understand. Either the Bible is not very creative and is trying to find another story, or does this happen often? Is this a common occurrence that, like, in any town, whenever someone has a new male guest in their house, the townsfolk always rally together and like, hey, everyone, hey, there's a new, there's a new guy. Let's go, uh, let's go greet the new guy, you know, with our dicks, like, like, like we do. Come on, come on, come on, everybody, it's fun, you know, a little hazing. It's like, does this always happen? I don't know. It's really odd. And the man, being the master of the house, went out unto them, and he said, uh, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly, seeing that this man is come into mine house. Do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But not unto this man do not so vile a thing. And once again, 
This is the exact same offer that was made in the first place, pretty much. Hey, don't rape this man. He's a guest under my roof. Oh, I have these two uh, uh, woman things here. Um, you, we can just throw them over to you guys. Do what you want with them, obviously, but don't. Come on. Don't rape this man. So bizarre. Um, and then the weird... Well, anyway, I'll, I'll read on. But the men would not hearken to him. Yeah, they never do. They're... Hmm. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Hmm. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her lord was till it was light. And her lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. And he said unto her, Up and let us be going. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon the ass, and uh, a man, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. And when he was come unto his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine and divided her together with her bones into twelve pieces and sent her to all the coasts of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said, There was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it, take advice, and speak your minds. End of reading. Just thought I'd get through the end and then talk about it at the end. Okay. I need water to <coughs> get ready for this. Yeah, so this is awesome. Um, this poor woman, um, this cowardly piece of shit man, um, just let her be raped to death. And if and And then I like the part where it says he rose up in the morning. And uh, so he was clearly able to sleep fine, you know, so he's, he's like just hands his concubine over to just let her be raped to death and he gets some sleep, you know, and then he gets up. He's like, Ugh. anyway, uh, time to get, get, get home. Oh shit. What is, what's this on the doorstep? And it's, you know, the dead woman. And, um, I understand that the Bible isn't endorsing this behavior and every commentator I've sort of read is, is horrified by this story appropriately enough. But I, I still struggle to find the point. I don't. I get it's saying that this is showing the evilness of the men of Gibeah, um, who are obviously the the town. But really, was the Levite guy any better? So he has this concubine that he must care about somewhat because he goes because she leaves him and he he wanders to find her, and 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 does. But then um, when then 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 when the people surround him. The guy, okay, so the first, the guy who took him in, unrelated, um, just this random guy, their host was even worse. He offered both the concubine, who wasn't even his, and his virgin daughter, just, you know, just just offered him up. Cowardly piece of crap guy. But then the, uh, when they wouldn't accept it, it's weird. So the, the people of Gibeah wouldn't accept that. But then the the, the Levite guy, takes his concubine and forces her out and uh and then they and then they they're just like ah, all right close enough i don't really get it so they refuse the offer of two women but one woman's like ah, okay uh, that's what we want I, I, don't, I don't understand but God, this is just awful trying to make any sense of this horrible thing but 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't know what the message is. I mean, on one hand, yeah, of course the townsfolk are definitely, you know, pretty evil. But I, I really don't think the Levite guy did any better, you know. And he's, I think he's the guy we're supposedly rooting for. Because afterward, he... <laughs> God, this is just, I, I don't mean to laugh. I'm just laughing at like how awful this is. I can't even can't even fathom how bad this is. Afterward, he takes her home, her dead body, and then he just cuts her up and sends all her body parts everywhere. I guess to show like, look what they did to my concubine, you know. But I, I mean, that's I. Uh, I struggle to find the words. I. How about instead of doing that? How about you just keep her in the house to begin with, you know, and then just face the consequences? I mean, you try to protect, you know, this person that that's under your care. I, it's just mind-boggling. I, I I don't know if there's a point to all this. Maybe it's maybe this incites the Israelites to war or something. I I don't know, but we'll we'll find out later. I haven't read ahead, but yeah, that's it for today. Pretty short. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, please uh, go to my uh, Facebook dot com slash t and the b and like me on there um really appreciate it and of course the youtube as well is linked somewhere um the uh the youtube videos are on that page or they're at thomasinthebible.com there's links to both of these things so and as usual most more uh beneficial than both those things is to write a review on itunes if you haven't um so yeah uh thanks a lot guys glad you're uh, still enjoying it and i'll see you next time